with me to the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ, the last book of the New Testament and of the Bible. The book of the Revelation, please, chapter 20. I want to speak just for a few moments tonight on Old Testament hope of the resurrection. The Old Testament hope of the resurrection. Could I say, I apologize if you're feeling a little on the chilly side. We have just realized we have run out of oil. We didn't know. And we apologize to you. And we'll, not, we'll try not to keep you sitting for too long in case you start getting frost. Sure you get frost, but hey, or whatever it was he said. And you get that. I surely asked Julie Wells to say that for me. You'd have said that better, Julie. Though an accent to yours, hey. Anyway, let's turn to Revelation, please, chapter 20. Let me just get a drink. And please keep your Bible open when we finish this reading, beginning to read at verse 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand, and laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. Now, notice the language we're being told of. Satan is now bound for a thousand years. And cast him into the bottomless pit, And shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed for a little season. And I saw thrones and they that sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and had lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Notice that. The rest of the dead lived not again until... The rest of the dead, notice this language. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Let's pray and keep your Bibles open at that. Father, we ask you now just to settle us in your presence. We thank you for all those you've brought out tonight to hear your word and to worship your holy name. And we pray, Father, this evening that as this word will go forth that every heart would be blessed or challenged or encouraged or whatever way you deem or seem fit, Lord, to take your word and to apply it to our hearts. We ask you, Father, in the name which we've been singing of, the name which is above every other name, the name of the Lord Jesus. Lord, that if there's one here who's come in this Sunday, Lord, over this Passover Easter time, Lord, that you, Lord, know that they're not saved. We pray that you draw them to your Son, and that they would be born again of the Spirit and washed in the blood, and that they would receive forgiveness of sin. Glorify your name, Father. Glorify your Son. And may your Spirit have free course in this house tonight. For Jesus' name's sake, we ask it. Amen. We have a, a, a picture set up here of what is to come. We're told that uh, there is a first resurrection. And it's told us in verse 5, and then it's mentioned again in verse 6 of our reading. And from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 22 and verse 23, 
right through the New Testament till here in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 6. The word, the English word uh, resurrection is mentioned some 41 times. Some 41 times. But yet the word resurrection is never mentioned once in the whole of the Old Testament. We're going to look at how the believers in the Old Testament looked for the resurrection to come, knew of that resurrection, and hoped in that resurrection, of course, knowing Christ, Messiah and Savior, would come. The word resurrection here is a word anastasis. Anastasis comes from two words, ana, which means a raising up or a rising up. And the second word is hesteme, which means to cause to stand. So the resurrection of the dead, the resurrection is it will raise up out of the ground those who have died in Christ at the first resurrection and it will cause them to stand before Almighty God justified and righteous. So the resurrection is mentioned some 41 times in about 40 verses uh, throughout the New Testament. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 5, let's read it, says, But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Or in other words, there's going to be a, another resurrection. The first resurrection is when the Lord Jesus Christ comes and breaks the skies. The first resurrection is spoken of in uh, the first book of Thessalonians, chapter 4, if you'd like to turn to it briefly to we read a few verses. First Thessalonians, chapter 4, and verse 13, the apostle Paul tells us, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. The word is, who have died in Christ, who are dead. Concerning them which who are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Now, I, I know that this strikes deep in some of our hearts, uh, especially, I think of Lindsay and her family, and, and Elaine and her family at this time, and even my own family, who, and others here, um, Aaron and, and I know Christina, and many others have lost loved ones in recent years, and that's just th- some off the top of my head, and there are many others. But nevertheless, we're to- not told we do not sorrow. So it's okay to mourn for your loved ones. It's not that we do not sorrow. We are human. God has given this, us this ability to be able to mourn over the loss in our lives. But he says that who, who do not sorrow as others which have no hope. So what is it that we have that others don't have who have lost loved ones in Christ? Here is the hope that is within me. Here is the hope that is within those who have mentioned and many others in here. Maybe all of us have lost a loved one at some time. Here is the hope of those who have went on before us in Christ. It is that they will be resurrected again and that you will be with them and you'll see them. That is the hope that is in us. But others who have died without Christ and others who are outside without Christ, they never know what's going to happen unless they come to Christ. In other words, there are be men and women who will not see one another again, sadly, tragically. And nevertheless, they would like us to like me to uh, powder it up a little and soften the words and, uh, and butter it up with some smooth talk to make it be better. But nevertheless, it ends up in the same place, the same destiny that the word of the Lord is forever settled in heaven. And there's nothing I can do about that. There's nothing you can do. 
But what you can do is reach the lost. What you can do is go and win your loved ones for Christ. And the more we pitter-patter and the more we, as it were, uh, tiptoe around and we find, the less we are winning. We need to be active in reaching our loved ones. Here we're told there's a thousand years Christ returns. Let us read this. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so also, them which sleep or have died in Jesus, will God bring with him. Now I notice this. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep or who have died in Christ. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Then he rounds us off by saying, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Here is the comfort of all those in Christ. The comfort is that we will know them again. We will see them again. We will be with them again. Notice there's a thousand years Christ comes in a thousand years, he sets up his kingdom. And as he comes, 1 Corinthians 15, we haven't time to read it, says that we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. In an atom of time, our bodies will be changed to be like his own glorious body. And we will rule and we will reign with Christ for a thousand years on the earth. But notice this. There will be a raising up or a rising up, a causing to stand. This is the first resurrection, he says. Let's go to Revelation 20. This is the first resurrection. But it says the other dead are not raised till the end of a thousand years. That's the second resurrection. And then there's a judgment and a leading on to the second death. The old saying is that there are some people who will be born twice, but may die once. Let me say it again. There are some people who will be born twice, but may die once. And there are other people who will be born once, but will die twice. Who will be born once, but will die twice. What do I mean? There are those who are born of the flesh, of our parents, of our mums and our dads. But there will be those of us then who are born again, the new birth. Born again. We'll be born twice. And should Christ tarry, we may die once. That is, we will die and our bodies will go to the grave. Then there are those who are born once of their mums and their dads, but they'll die twice, should Christ tarry. They'll go to the grave and they'll die. But again, they'll be resurrected even in their own body. And body and soul will come together again. DNA will come together again. This is the second resurrection. The resurrection is of paramount value to you and I because we need, as spirit beings within this flesh, a body that God has given us to dwell in. So God will raise the body again. And that's our whole salvation. That's our full redemption. And again, also, those who have died outside of Christ will be raised as a spiritual entity. That spirit which returns to God, which gave it, 
will be breathed back into a body that is brought together by God. And you and I are those who are not rather born the second time, that is the born again will die a second eternal death. Boy, that's heavy tonight, isn't it? Now, stay with me to show you something here. Notice Revelation chapter 20 and verse 6. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. Notice, blessed and holy is he who hath part in the first resurrection. When Jesus returns and the resurrection happens and we're alive and remain caught up together. Blessed and holy are they. In other words, you and I who are in Christ at Christ's return. You are blessed. The idea is, oh, the blessedness. Oh, the blessedness. Oh, the blessedness of those people who are in Christ. And you're holy. There's no spot nor wrinkle in you. A spotless bride for Almighty God. You've pardoned the first resurrection, and it says, on such the second death hath no part. In other words, at the end of the thousand-year millennial reign, as it's known, then the, the, the dead who are not in Christ are raised and judged. Then there's a second death. But it says the second death hath no power. See the word power there? It's a word exousia. When we think of, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. The word power there is the word dunamis, meaning dynamite. It's where you get our word dynamite from. It's dynamic power. It's a dynamic word. It's a living word. And this word, he says, it really strikes into hearts and turns men and women's lives around and brings them to Christ and unto salvation. He says, we're not ashamed of that. But then he goes on, uh, uh, he goes on to say here, or the Bible goes on to say here, that there are those who have a, 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 another word for power, the second death hath no power. It's the word exousia. And the word exousia simply means the second death or the second death hath no power. It has no right. It has no authority. It has no license. It has no rank over us. It has no privilege over us. It has no jurisdiction around us. In other words, this time of the second death, those of us who are in Christ will already be in a glorified state. Those of us who are in Christ will be already in that glorified state, ruling and reigning with him in the kingdom. And those of us who are in Christ will find when there's a horrible place of judgment and a second death, the second death cannot claim you, has no right over you, has no power over you, has no privilege over you, it has no license to call you, it does not own you. You will not be there, brothers and sisters, all because you are in Christ. This is what it means here. But there are those who have rejected him. There are those who didn't want to know the Lord Jesus Christ. There are those who have turned him away and turned his gospel away, and they have rejected his word, and they have even spat toward heaven, and it says, upon them, this has power. It has right, it has privilege, it has authority, it has license, it has rank over you that you would be in the second death. That's the seriousness of this word. It's the seriousness of the gospel. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And all who reject him will find themselves in such a horrible place. So John writes, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. 
on such the second death hath no power. Now notice what he says in, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So the resurrection here, notice the two resurrections, one of the righteous and one of the sinner. The resurrection of those in Christ. The resurrection of those outside of Christ. The idea is that Christ will call them, raise them up, rise them up, and cause them to stand. Cause you to stand in him righteous and holy and cause them to stand still in their sin before Almighty God. So the resurrection is a serious issue. It's a serious matter. Will you turn with me to the book of Job, please? We want to look at what the Old Testament says about it. Job chapter 14. Job chapter 14. And verse 13, please, and verse 14. Oh, that thou wouldst hide me in the grave. That thou wouldst keep, keep me secret until thy wrath be past. That thou wouldst appoint me a set time and remember me, Job says. Here's a man who can't take much more. Unfortunately, it sounds as though Job has a spirit of death about him who wants to die. Been through so much, he's had enough. Oh, that you just let me down, go to the grave and hide me there until things get better and set me an appointed time and bring me up again. Some people really do have this spirit hanging over them. They have this uh, chasing them up every day. It's like a dark dog. Oh, Lord, if you would just hide me in the grave. Sure, at the resurrection, you'll know where I am. Job was assured here of a resurrection. Nevertheless, it was not, let me put it again, it was not, let me say it a third time, it was not God's plan for him. It is not God's plan for you either. God's plan was Job would be doubled in blessing by the time God was finished with him. But Job can't help himself here. And he says, Oh, that thou wouldest hide me in the grave, that thou wouldest keep me secret until thy wrath be passed, that thou wouldest appoint me a set time and remember me. Verse 14. If a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. All the days of my appointed time will I wait until my change come. In other words, Job is knowing what Paul knew before Paul was even born. We shall all be changed, he says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the coming of Christ. And somehow, Job knew that there was a coming Savior. And he says, when he comes, my trust is that he will raise me up. The cross hadn't even happened yet. The Savior wasn't even born yet. But somehow Job knew that through the sacrificial offerings, the slaying of animals on an altar, he knew there was a God who was bigger than him, who was greater than him, and would come to save him. And he says, if I go to the grave and hide, Lord, you will lift me up again. Oh God, my chains will come. 
when you'll call me from the very dust of the earth. You know, Job, when he was buried, it's probably four, maybe four and a half thousand years ago, four thousand years ago. And the Lord still knows where Job is. That is his body. The Lord knows that that seed was planted in the ground and Job has went to dust. And the Lord knows the exact spot of every bit of what we call DNA now, what modern science calls it. And, Job, and the Lord knows where, where Job's uh, little integral parts are that, that's maybe been washed away with underground currents of water. And the Lord knows whatever part of the earth it is that he will call it, he will speak a word, and Job will be formed again. There's a time coming when Christ will break the skies and he'll do it all again. And he'll say, oh, he'll call whoever's name your loved one is that has died in him and they will come together, bone of their bone and flesh of their flesh and they'll come up out of the graves. And should you die too, so, so will you. Job 19, verse 25. While you're turning to it, let me just read a verse I forgot to mention. It was Job 14 and 15. He says, Thou shalt call, and I will answer thee. Thou, shalt, thou wilt have a desire to the work of thine hands. God's desire is the work of his hands. That's you and I. But in Job 19, listen to what he says, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, that he shall stand at the latter day. Notice, he shall stand at the latter day. Where? Upon the earth. Does the prophets not even tell us of the latter day that the Lord's return? What does it say? And his feet shall stand upon the Mount of Olives. And he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Verse 26. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. Yet in my flesh shall I see God. Now, there's a little Hebrew argument here. And we'll not go into it too much, but just in case there's some online who maybe want to challenge me on that, because you do get them sometimes. In my flesh will I see God. Some say the Hebrew translation is, out of my flesh shall I see God. Or when I come out of this flesh, I'll see God. But notice what the next verse says. And this is why I still hold and believe why most people do, that this is Job looking for the resurrection. And verse 27 says, Whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another. Only a body has literal eyes. Only a body has eyes. I know a spirit has eyes. God is a spirit and God sees. But Job is saying, look, worms are going to destroy this body. But in this body will be resurrected again through these eyes. He will perfect them and I'll behold Christ. Whom I shall see for myself and my eyes shall not behold another though my reins be consumed within me. Here is the Old Testament looking for the resurrection. Secondly, let's go to David, Psalm 16 and 10. He says, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell or the grave or the region of the dead, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. 
this verse is used on the day of Pentecost. This verse is used by Peter on the day of Pentecost, pointing to Christ. And here with the Spirit, the Holy Ghost working upon David, he says, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Here Peter says, they're speaking here of David a thousand years before of the Lord Jesus Christ, great David's greater son. In other words, through the spirit of prophecy, David was able to look and see his own progenity or his posterity in our Lord Jesus Christ coming from the line of David. Any wonder the Lord Jesus says, the Lord says unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand that I make thine enemies thy footstool. He says to the Pharisees and the Jews, who's he speaking of? Who's he speaking of? Because David looked down and seen this one. You see, the Jews believe that, in, and in the Middle East, but really here, the Jews believe that after death, three days, the body with the heat of the, of the, of the country then, it, it started to... Uh, deteriorate and to stink. Do you remember in John chapter 11 when Lazarus has died, Mary and Martha's sisters came to meet our Lord one after the other. And what did they say? He tells them, he says, I am the resurrection and the life, he says. Do you remember that? And what happened? One of them says, one of them turns and says, Lord, one of them turns around and says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he dead, yet shall he live. And he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And he says, yes, Lord, I know this, that at the last day, I know you're the Messiah, and the last day you'll raise them up. He says, no, I have the power now to raise them up. And when Lazarus was dead, he went toward the tomb, and his sister says, Lord, it's been four days now, and he stinketh. In other words, Lord, if you open that tomb, Lazarus has been dead for four days and he's putrefying. It's past the third day. Sell by date if you want. And he's thinking, he's starting to rot. And in a tomb, in the heat, it's going to be rotten. Of course, we know the story. He calls, flings the word into the tomb and the dead comes out. And we know what happens that Lazarus is raised from the dead. Here David looks down and sees his Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, saying unto his Lord, Yahweh. That's who he's speaking of. The Lord saith unto my Lord, Sit thou in my right hand, that I make thine enemies thy footstool. And here the, the father is saying to his son, here is Yahweh is saying to the man Christ Jesus, and he says, Now you're risen from the dead, you're exalted. And you're sitting at my right hand, making your enemies your footstool. So David saw this with the spirit of prophecy, the very resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why the Lord Jesus was raised on the third day. Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Before the third day was over, up from the grave, he arose. Thirdly, quickly, the prophet Isaiah says, and this is a tremendous portion of Scripture. This is wonderful. Isaiah 26, 
verse 19. Notice this language. Isaiah 26 and verse 19. Thy dead men shall live together with my dead body shall they arise. Here's a prophet 700, 750 years before Christ came. He says, Thy dead men shall live together with my dead body shall they arise. In other words, I'll go to the grave and they'll go to the grave, but we are sure and certain of a resurrection. Why did these men know that? I can tell you where I personally believe, and I, I don't know where they found this from. The, I don't know if they've found it from their sacrifices and offerings, but I can tell you where I personally believe it from. Father Abraham was taking Isaac. Take thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, up to Mount Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt sacrifice for me. And he takes him up. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us something if you want to turn to it and keep your finger in Isaiah 26. Hebrews chapter 11, faith's hall of fame as it's called. Verse 17, by faith Abraham when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. In other words, here we're told in the book of Hebrews that when Abraham put Isaac on the altar and lifted up the knife to thrust it into his breast to sacrifice his son, his only son whom he loved, upon that altar, Abraham was told beforehand, Abraham, I have made thee a father of many nations. It's already done, and this is his only son. Abraham, and Isaac shall thy seed be called. But Lord, you're telling me to slay him. You're telling me to put him to death. You're telling me to sacrifice him. Sometimes God's ways, we can't work them out. We just have to obey him. And he takes Abraham up and he goes to sacrifice him, to put in that knife. And listen, it wasn't just put in the knife and shed his blood, and if he dies, bury him. He says, take him. Put the knife into him, shed his blood. When he dies, light the fire and burn him to a crisp. Well, Lord, you've said, and Isaac shall thy seed be called. And if he dies, what about your word? Never you mind my word, I'll perform my word. And as he does it, then the voice says, Lay not thine hand upon the lad. Abraham believed that God would raise him from the dead. So Isaiah 26 and 19, Now dead men shall live together with my dead body. Shall they arise? Notice what he says. Awake and sing, ye that dwell in the dust. For thy dew is as the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. It's the idea that the earth's near ready to spit them out. One word from Christ. One word from the risen, exalted, glorified, ascended Lord. The, the, the descending, coming Christ. One call of the name. One blow of the trumpet. And the voice of the archangel. Just once. And the earth will spit out their dead. And we will see that. There's nothing secret about it. Nothing secret at all about it. There's a war cry in the heavens that 
voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the heavens are filled with his glory and the graves start opening out and his body starts shooting up, changing the moment all over the place. And we're not meant to see it. Lastly, fourthly, turn with me to Daniel chapter 12, please. Daniel chapter 12. Thank you for your attention this evening. Daniel 12. First three verses. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, everyone that shall be found, take note, that shall be found written in the book. Now take note of that for where we're going. That shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament and they that turn many to righteousness, even the righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Daniel says there's two companies. Daniel sees the first resurrection in Christ. Blessed and holy are they that are found in the first resurrection. Daniel sees the second resurrection out of Christ at the end of a millennial reign of Christ. Some shall rise to everlasting life and everlasting joy in ours. And the second company, Daniel says, that they will awake and they, they shall rise to shame and everlasting contempt. Turn back with me. On the way over to Revelation, stop at John chapter 5. John chapter 5. So Daniel has written of... 600, 550, 600 years before the coming of the Lord Jesus in Bethlehem. Now the Lord Jesus has come, John chapter 5. Let your eye run down to verse 24. Listen to all the words of the Savior. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth in him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, in the which that all that are in the graves shall hear his voice. And shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Here's the two resurrections spoken of by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, be finished, go to Revelation 20. We looked at the first resurrection, Revelation 20 and verses, uh, verse 5 and 6. We looked at that. Let your eye now run down to verse 7. So the Lord comes back and there's the first resurrection and we're ruling and reigning with Christ. It says, and then when the thousand years are expired, Satan has been in prison, in the pit. 
When the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison, shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them to the battle, the number of of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the heaven and the earth, the heaven fled away, the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were open and another book was open, which is the book of life and the dead were judged out of the things which were written in the books according to the works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to the works. And death and hell, or the grave even, or the region of the dead, were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Notice, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I want to make sure before we all go home. Maybe I know everyone, we're all saved and trusting the Lord. But if you're not, what resurrection would you be in? If Christ came right now, what resurrection would you be in? Would you be in the first resurrection unto life in Christ, ruling and reigning with him? Or would you be in the second resurrection of the dead at the end of a thousand year reign standing before a judgment seat looking at a lake of fire? I trust that you're going to be at the first resurrection for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. I want to thank you for your attention. That's me finished. But I want to point your attention to something. Remember when I done the series on the gathering of the nations and then the identifying of the nations for the Battle of Armageddon? Do you remember we showed you the screen all the nations and the countries? Do you remember one little bit I showed you around Ukraine and took, took you into different areas around there? But one I brought you right to the western Russia uh, peninsula where the seas were. And some people may have thought, what has that got to do with anything to do with prophecy? And we mentioned Estonia and Lithuania, and Latvia, and I said, remember, you watch this. Because believe in the spirit, this is coming next. So Gary here, Gary Alcorn sent me a, a news clipping. Gary, what, what report's that off? Can you remember? American television news channel. Vladimir Putin is moving over towards Estonia, and Latvia, and Lithuania, threatening nuclear war if the West doesn't get out. God's word is true. God's word is true. Vladimir Putin has threatened nuclear war if the West don't get out. That's where we are sitting under now. They threatened the Danes, whose country is around there. They threatened to fire nuclear rockets at their warships. 
nuclear rockets at our warships. So now you can see the saber rattling. And I don't know the day and I don't know the hour, but one thing I know, the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. And this is when the first resurrection will happen. All those who are in Christ will rise to meet the Lord in the air. Because he died for us and shed his blood for us. And we're trusting in the blood of the Lamb. I hope the second death has no right, nor privilege, nor claim, nor authority, nor jurisdiction, or license over you. But the only one who has all that authority over you is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. We trust it in Jesus' name for his glory. Where's the group? We're going to sing. Have you got anything else to sing?